Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work, and you can give them a call. Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw. He is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're getting an update on legislation that's being proposed in public education from the Florida Citizens Alliance. Bill Bainan will be joining us. He's the CEO of Capital Wealth Advisors. And uh, they have the annual turkey drop at St. Matthew's House. We'll be finding out about that. It's coming up. And Seat Motley, the founder president of Less Government, will be with us, as well as former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. It is November the 11th. It's Veterans Day. And on this day in the 11th hour, the 11th day, and the 11th month of 1918, the Great War, the World War I, ended. At 5 a.m. that morning, Germany, bereft of manpower and supplies and faced with imminent invasion, signed an armistice agreement with the Allies in a ro- railroad car outside of Compagnie, uh, France. The First World War left 9 million soldiers dead and 21 million wounded, with Germany, Russia, Austria-Hungary, France, and Great Britain each losing nearly a million or more lives. In addition, at least 5 million civilians died from disease, starvation, or exposure. Wow. On June 28, 1914, an event that widely regarded as the sparking of the outbreak of World War I, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, heir to the uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire, was shot to death by his, uh, with his wife by Bosnian Serb Gravillo Princep in Sarajevo, Bosnia. Ferdinand had been inspecting his uncle's imperial armed forces in Bosnia and Herzegovina. Despite the threat of Serbian nationalists who uh, wanted these Austro and Hungarian possessions to join newly independent Serbia, Austria Hungary blamed the Serbian government for the attack and hoped to use the incident as justification for settling the problem of Slavic nationalism once and for all. However, as Russia had supported Serbia, an Austro Hungarian declaration of war was delayed until its leaders received assurances from German Kaiser Wilhelm II that Germany would support their cause in the event of a Russian intervention. On July the 28th, Austro- Austria-Hungary declared war on Serbia and the tenuous peace between Europe's great powers collapsed. On July the 29th, Austro-Hungarian forces began to shell the Serbian capital, Belgrade, and Russia. Serbia's ally ordered to uh, a troop mobilization against Austria-Hungary. Hungary. France Allied with Russia, began to mobilize on August the 1st. France and Germany declared war against each other on August the 3rd. After crossing through neutral Luxembourg, then Germany, uh, German army invaded Belgium on the night of August the 3rd and 4th, prompting Great Britain, the Belgium's ally, to declare war against Germany. For the most part, the people of Europe greeted the outbreak of the war with jubilation. Most uh, patriotically assumed that their country would be victorious within months of the initial belligerence. Germany was the most prepared for the outbreak of hostilities. And its military leaders had formatted a sophisticated military strategy known as Schifflin Plan. 
which envisioned the conquest of France through a great arcing offensive through Belgium and into northern France. Russia, slow to mobilize, was to be kept occupied by Austro-Hungarian forces while Germany attacked France. The Schefflin plan was nearly successful, but in early September, the French rallied and uh, halted the German advance at the bloody Battle of Marne near Paris. By the end of 1914, well over a million soldiers of various nationalities had been killed on the battlefields of Europe, and neither the Allies for the Allies nor for Central Powers was a final victory in sight. On the Western Front, the battle line was stretched across northern France and Belgium. The combatants settled down in the trenches for a terrible war of attrition. In 1915, the Allies attempted to break the stalemate with an amphibious attack of Turkey, which had joined the Central Powers in October of 1914. But after heavy bloodshed, the Allies were forced to retreat into early uh, 1916. The year 1916 saw great offensives by Germany and Britain along the Western Front, but neither side accomplished a decisive victory. In the East, Germany was more successful, and the disorganized Russian army suffered terrible losses, spurred the outbreak of the Russian Revolution in 1917. By the end of 1917, the Bolsheviks had seized power in Russia and immediately set about negotiating peace with Germany. In 1918, the infusion of American troops and resources into the Western Front finally tipped the scale in the Allies' favor. Germany signed an armistice agreement with the Allies on November the 11th, 1918. World War I was known as the war to end all wars because of the great slaughter and destruction it caused. Unfortunately, the peace treaty that officially ended the conflict, the Treaty of Versailles of 1919, forced punitive terms on Germany that destabilized Europe and laid the groundwork for World War II. Veterans Day is a U.S. legal holiday dedicated to American veterans of all wars. Veterans, we thank you for your service. That's the background of Veterans Day and uh, what happened, the war to end all wars. Of course, the Versailles Treaty was a total disaster, ended up in leading into World War II. <clears throat> well, the Labor Department reported Wednesday the Consumer Price Index rose 6.2% in October from a year ago. 6.2%. The number is the largest 12-month increase since the period ending November 1990. It's, is it too late for Biden to reverse course now? The Labor Department's press release said that inflation was broad-based, meaning we no longer face the narrow inflation that led Biden administration and the Fed officials this summer to suspect it could be, quote-unquote, transitory. Inflation is everywhere. It's accelerating, and it's sticking with us. The Biden administration agenda was not built for this. Build Back Better was crafted for a strengthening economy whose main issue would be the distribution of the benefits of growth. The folks who shaped it were convinced that early Obama administration made a terrible mistake by not going big enough with the 2009 stimulus, which they think contributed to the sluggish recovery that helped Republicans win a victory in the House in 2010 and the Senate in 2014. The trouble is that the economic crisis of our day is nothing like the country faced when Obama took office. Back then, the country faced a critical lack of demand misallocated investments, a tottering financial system, and capital losses in real estate and real estate-linked financial products. Our economic problems now are on the supply side. Shortages of goods and labor, uh, supply chain disruptions, jammed ports, and skyrocketing energy prices. On Wednesday, the Biden administration attempted to pivot by claiming that they now will be able to fight inflation with the same policies meant to stimulate demand, redistribute, uh, redistribute, 
redistribute uh, wealth and shift investment towards projects consistent with the left's climate change and social justice agenda. While it's true that some of the infrastructure spending could alleviate inflationary pressures years from now, in the short term, they are likely to exacerbate the supply problems while further ramping up demand. Other Biden policies also threaten to make inflation worse. The vaccine requirements could prompt a non-trivial share of Americans to retreat from the workforce. One recent poll showed that one-third of unvaccinated workers would rather quit than acquiesce to the mandate, and pledges to reduce carbon emissions are unlikely to encourage investment in fossil fuel at home or production abroad. Who is going to build up a fleet of freight-hauling trucks that might be declared environmental hazards just a few years down the road? It's not too late. Biden could concede that high inflation requires new policy priorities, but so long as so many of his administration continue to regard inflation as something sort of GOP talking point instead of reality hurting millions of Americans, that's unlikely. President Biden, call this off right now. Don't work towards passing this Build Back Better bill. This, by the way, contributions from Alex Marlowe and John Carney from the Breitbart News Network. I thought, great commentary. Well, top Republicans are now calling on Florida to pull out of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, following President Biden's workaround with the agency in implementing a vaccine mandate for employers. Last week, the White House announced that OSHA would levy fines of up to $14,000 per violation of the mandate for companies with more than 100 employees, a rule that would begin January the 4th. State Representative Alex Andrade from Pensacola argues that the vaccine mandates mark the first time that OSHA is being used and manipulated to go after people's private health decisions. If OSHA is going to be uh, abused by the federal government for purely political reasons, it's time for us to get out. And it's time for us to start creating our own plan, added Andrade. A joint statement by Florida House Speaker Chris Sprouls and Senate President Wilton Simpson warned that lawmakers will discuss our own ideas for legislative action in combating the vaccine mandate. One of those actions could be discussed will be whether it's time for Florida to withdraw from the Occupational Safety and Health Administration and establish our own state program. The state would add that OSHA rule is reckless, one-size-fits-all approach to COVID vaccine mandates. Florida filed a lawsuit, by the way, against the Biden administration mandate in regards to contractors. It's important for us to take a stand, said Governor Ron DeSantis. Tossing people aside is just not something we can tolerate here in the state of Florida, so we're going to do everything we can. Bold concept, get out of OSHA. Don't you love federalism? Firewall, Ron DeSantis, and this a legislature in Florida, a firewall against this punitive uh, Biden administration. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected into the community and with each other. The Golden Gate Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Tatiana Fortune, director of the Golden Gate Senior Center. We want to be able to connect you to whatever service or activity. And even if the person doesn't want to come out for socialization, if they have a question about, um, hey, where do I go for transportation? Where do I go for uh, a certain healthcare? If they have a need, we are able to point them in that direction through our information and referral service. So we're more than happy to assist in that as well. To find out more, visit callyourseniorresources.org. That's callyourseniorresources.org or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more and download the app from the choicesocial.us website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, well, we're up. Uh coalition of uh, over 100 grassroots groups here in Florida. Uh, we focus exclusively on K-12 education. Um, and that means, you know, we're strong advocates for school choice and stopping the indoctrination, uh, getting rid of critical race theory, getting rid of the uh, indoctrination uh, that's taken place in our schools, and giving students uh, Great alternatives. Yeah, I would say uh, I'm just uh, so proud of the work that you and uh, Pastor Rick are doing in founding this organization. You have tremendous traction and credibility up in Tallahassee with the governor, with the uh, Commissioner of Education, with the legislature. I just really appreciate the work that you're doing. You made a big, big difference over the last decade. And the web flca.com, goflca.com. By the way, have a, an event tonight. Is there, are there still openings? Can people attend? No, actually, the event was last night. Oh, was it last night? That's right. Yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I hope it was successful. Yeah, it was. Uh, we had Bill Fetter, uh, who's a, an amazing historian, 
um, and uh, he did a terrific job, well received. Well, we also handed out a uh, for each of these uh, six. We're doing six of these series. This was number two. Uh, we're inviting students to do an essay contest, and we had a winner last night from uh, Mason Academy. So that's exciting. Oh, that is so exciting. Well, I'm sorry for the confusion. <laughs> <laughs> so time flies when we're having fun oh right? no question about it keith and boy i get confused easily when it comes to time i don't think further ahead than about an hour unfortunately so <laughs> so keith uh, uh we have the special session coming up on monday this is a big deal and i uh, wanted to get your comments and thoughts about what's occurring well i think it might be helpful to your listeners it's it's been a struggle to try to figure out the process and it's now posted on the um, myfloridahouse.gov website. So the the whole thing kicks off uh, on Monday at 12:45. The house is called into session, so the whole house will be on the floor, and it says they'll be there from 12:45 till completion. Now, my understanding of what that means is that they'll be discussing, they'll be laying out the ground rules, and and generally just introducing to both the the house members and the the public what's going to happen <clears throat> starting at three o'clock there are four different committee meetings uh that will be reviewing four bills huh. uh, and we can cover those in a minute but then um uh, and, and those committee meetings start at uh, three o'clock and end at uh, seven mm -hmm. and then there's a rules committee meeting after that so what they're doing is uh tuesday morning at 10 o'clock the house goes back into set full session and tell completion um, uh, from what I can gather uh, this whole process is really going to start in the house and as they uh, you know uh, approve bills they'll be messaged over to the Senate the Senate will be in session and they'll you know, have their their debate back and forth uh, I'm hearing that they hope to have a vote uh, on these four bills on Wednesday mm. uh, but not later than Thursday morning uh, now, the official session ends at noon on Friday, so uh, I'm headed up there on Sunday, a member of our team. There's a big rally up in Tallahassee on uh, the 16th uh, on me uh, medical health, and uh, we're co-sponsors of that. So anybody up in that neck of the woods that's listening to you or willing to get on their horse, we'd love to have them join us 1 o'clock in the uh, um, just outside the, 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 the chambers, you know, the house um, yeah. yeah. Excellent. So, so uh, do you have any insight or, or thoughts about the bills? Yeah, um, the, the, the big challenge has always been how do you uh, on the on the the um, vaccination is what what authority do you want government to have over private business, right? Versus individual rights, and so uh, they've got uh, 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 the first of these four bills, which I think is probably the one that deals most directly with that is it uh, creates an, uh, a series of options for private sector employees, employers and employees. Uh, for example, uh, it gives, uh, at a minimum, it, if it's passed, it will give uh, exemptions for medical reasons uh, determined by a doctor, religious reasons, immune, prior immunity, mm -hmm. if, you, if you get a test and you've got uh, um, uh, periodic testing and then uh, several other aspects. So. Uh, it, it stops short of telling businesses that they can't do it, but it requires them to do and go through a number of, of uh, provide a number of alternatives to employees. Uh, so it gives some avenues for employees to to uh, 
escape the man and the mandate oh, that sounds balanced uh, be, you know it's, I, I don't think the uh, state has any more right to tell businesses what they could do than the than the federal government has to tell them what they have to do so uh, right. I think that's that's a good balance yeah well there's always a challenge between what takes priority your individual rights or the rights of a business to tell to to tell you what you can put in your body yeah um, so it's always a challenge yeah uh, the, the other bills, there's some interesting ones. Um, uh, one is, uh, that uh, get, getting some attention, you know, with the new OSHA rules, um, there's actually a, a bill, uh, one of the four bills that begins the process of withdrawing uh, from OSHA. Uh, just author, it will also, if it passes, it will authorize um, the, the, the governor and the legislature to. Uh, uh, put forth a proposal to get out of OSHA. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. And set up their own uh, statewide uh, program that uh, replicates right. the OSHA duties. Yeah, it's been, OSHA's been so politicized, we just covered that on the show, so I think this, that's a great bill as well. Yeah. Well, there, there's a couple of others. Um, you know, pr- protecting... Uh, um, p- part of that first bill is uh, protects parents from... The, uh, provides parents as the sole decision-maker... It prevents school districts and other government agencies from mandating, period. Uh-huh. So the, the the point there is on the government side, the government can tell other government agencies what to do relative to them. But the, the, the rub is, again, always on the commercial side. You yep. want the government telling uh, commercial businesses what they can do. So um, it's, it's on balance a good bill. There are a couple of areas where I might... Uh, Push a little more aggressively, uh-huh. uh, being the aggressive guy I am. But I think it's a it's a really good start, and uh, I uh, I hope the the legislature gets their head wrapped around it. Later today, we're going to put out an action alert. I hoped it was going to go out last night, but we had a bit of a technical glitch. Last week, we put out an action alert thanking the governor for his bold move. Yep. Uh, today, we're going to be putting out an action alert to our whole base. We hope lots of people share it. Uh, telling your individual legislators, so Bob, you would be able to tell your legislators here in Collier County what you want them to do in support of this. So uh, we're hopeful that uh, we can get a lot of pressure on. Uh, there is still some debate going on about whether some of this is good stuff or not. Yeah, so, I'm sure. Uh, I, think, I think we all need to weigh in and tell the our legislators to get on with protecting our rights. Absolutely. Keith Logan, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, terrific organization, really making major contributions to the quality of education at Florida public schools. I hope you'll visit goflca.com, goflca.com. Keith, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great. Thanks. Have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Bill Bainan. He's the CEO of Capital Wealth Advisors, doing great great things for the community. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshire Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, not only building a performing arts center in downtown Naples, the groundbreaking is going to be on December 1st, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Left's Government. Right now, we have with us Bill Bannon. He is the CEO of Capital Wealth Advisors. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Tell us about uh, Capital Wealth Advisors. Uh, we're an independent wealth advisory firm. We're headquartered here in Naples. Uh, we have offices uh, in other places, a couple in uh, Charlotte, one in Charlotte, North Carolina, one in Raleigh, North Carolina, Omaha, Nebraska, and then we have clients uh, that I think touch about 40 states, and we, we help families with their uh, wealth management and their planning. Do you have a website? Yeah, CapitalWealthAdvisors.com. CapitalWealthAdvisors.com. Well, Bill, uh, you have been a perennial supporter of St. Matthew's House, and now coming up is the Capital Wealth Advisors Turkey Drop. Uh, maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, about 17 years ago, my wife and I were... Um, uh, driving in Naples, I, I may have been this radio station, there was a public service announcement that uh, St. Matthew's House needed turkeys for families that had a place to cook but no food to, to have on Thanksgiving Day. So on a whim, we went to Publix and we bought, uh, I think, 25 turkeys and dropped them off. And it was, a, it was the first year the firm was founded. So uh, each year we tried to make it a little bigger and it grew from 25 to 1,000 uh, and then we started adding the, the sides, so pumpkin pies, all all of the fixings for a Thanksgiving dinner. And uh, over the years, we continue to try to grow it as our business grew. We want to continue to give back to the community. So this is the 17th year. 
Uh, this year, um, we have provided 2,500 family meals, which is of turkey and all the fixings, plus um, pumpkin pies, bread, eggs um, that we, we work with a big company called Calmain and helps with the eggs, uh, as well as um, uh, this year, we're, they're also going to have a fresh produce box, so they have some fresh uh, some milk and some, some uh, vegetables in there as well. So just helping local families uh, that don't have an opportunity to have enough money to, to, to provide that meal for Thanksgiving. And we, we love the year. It's our favorite um, event of the year. We do it. We've, we've grown it not only as our firm grew, but we started to invite our friends and associates in the community. There's a number of companies and firms that have joined us to help us continue to make it a little bigger each year. And, and now it's kind of caught on in the community. So we're, we're seeing a lot of additional donations uh, coming into St. Matthew's house for, for the project. So we're, we're thrilled uh, that, it's, that it's got as big as it's gotten. Well, uh, God bless you, and God bless the folks at Capital Wealth Advisors because you're doing doing great things. I mean, this is such a difficult time for for people who find themselves in a temporary situation of homelessness or the inability to, you know, losing a job, whatever, uh, drug addiction, whatever it might be. St. Matthew's House does a great job of helping people, and they get no government funding whatsoever, but help people to get back on their feet and help them uh, continue their lives in a productive and fruitful way. And uh, this is a great thing that you're doing. I mean, right now, the cost of Thanksgiving is just escalated because of inflation right now. So it's especially helpful. Yeah, it, it actually accentuates the problem of the food insecurity that we have in Cary County. And even though we're a, we're a, a place of abundance and many people here have, have great wealth, there's still a huge need. Um, and, you know, as we feel responsible as business owners, as community leaders, to, to make sure that we're giving back where we're, where we're earning our living. Absolutely. So uh, I understand that we can all get involved if we want to. Yeah. So um, the biggest thing is if you have an opportunity and you have a desire to get involved, you know, the more food that, that we can gather, uh, the more people in the community we can serve. And St. Matthew's House not only distributes it, as we discussed earlier, to the families uh, to cook at home, they also provide meals uh, daily. But specifically on Thanksgiving Day, they're providing meals for people that don't have a home people from the shelter, people that, that are displaced. Um, so any, any canned goods, if you have an opportunity to donate uh, turkeys, you can drop those off at St. Matthew's House. That would be great. Um, on our side, we're going to be assembling the 2,500 meals uh, on Monday, uh, and then the distribution days will start on Thursday, uh, and St. Matthew's House has several of those uh, leading up to Thanksgiving. But really the best thing we can do is to provide more food, or, or if you don't do that, a donation to help them uh, continue to grow the food bank would be great. That's terrific. And and where can we drop off the food? I, I've got the address here of, uh, of the St. Matthew's House. Yeah, it's at the it's the St. Matthew's House on Airport Road. Um, is the is the place? Uh, let me see if I have. It's on the left hand side, the sort of south on Airport Road, their main right. distribution center. You can pull right in and drop it off there. I've got the address here is twenty six zero one Airport Road South. In Naples, and if you're going to Google it, the website or the uh, zip code is three four one one two three four one one two. If you have any questions, you can call St. Matthew's House at seven seven four o five hundred seven seven four o five hundred. I mean, this is just uh, terrific. Do you know how many families there are going to be fed overall in in terms of helping St. Matthew's House? You know, we estimated last year it was around forty five hundred. I'm guessing it'll be bigger this year. Um, when you when you add up all the outside donations and all the things that they do, it's just an estimate, but that that's a guess. Yeah, yeah. And you think about it, the, the the food that we're providing provides more than one meal on top of that. So you know, 
a 17-pound turkey and all the fixings, typically there's going to have leftovers and provide additional meals for the family, which, yeah, is, which is just uh, sort of gets them, gets it stretched out a little bit. Yeah, and by the way, this is not for individuals that are home. This is just for families as well, and it can happen. To, it happens. Sometimes it just happens. And uh, Yeah, the families for this project are, are typically not um, homeless. Uh, they have a place to live. They have a place to cook, but they're food insecure because maybe they've lost their job. They don't have the money to provide the, the food for their families. So St. Matthew's House does a great job of helping screen, identify those people, and getting them signed up. And then on Thanksgiving Day, as well as other days of the week, St. Matthew's House in at their facility serves meals to individuals or people on site as well. Yeah. So uh, the website is www.stmatthewshouse.org, stmatthewshouse.org, if you want to find out more about St. Matthew's House. I will tell you, they've been, for over 30 years, they've been making contributions like this to uh, folks, and they've helped to make... Uh, all these problems that people have temporary. In other words, they always have a game plan to help people get back on their feet. And they just do great work without one farthing of government contributions. Bill, I just genuinely appreciate the work that you're doing in the community, your contribution, and uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day, and happy holidays. You as well. Thank you so much, Bill. All right, coming up, going to visit with Seat Motley. He is the founder and president of less government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back 
to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show as we're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and uh, <laughs> only people in a, in a position not to do anything about it seem to. Yeah, it's just unbelievable what's going on right now. Uh, uprooting the Constitution and everything that we believe in is just a, <laughs> unbelievable. And, and well, right- did you, uh, I, just, I just read this by, uh, between the time we talked off-air and the time we talked on-air. The judge in the Kyle Rittenhouse's uh, case... His phone rang, and it was Lee Greenwood's uh, <laughs> Proud to be an American ringtone, and now leftists are calling for him to be thrown off the case. <laughs> because he likes America. Heaven for Fend. Um, you know, I, you know was, by, by the way, the, this young man, he's 17 years old, he, his department, the way he conducts himself. Oh, he's 18 now. Oh, he was 17 at the time of the incident, yes. Uh, but, but my point is this, I mean... Uh, once you see all the evidence, I mean, the, the, the evidence... Oh, it's, 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 this thing never should have come to trial. No. Once again, we have a crooked prosecutor who hid evidence. We, first of all, we had the FBI drone, and my first thought was, why was the FBI there <laughs> and not arresting hundreds of people? Right. And they had the FBI drone right above, which showed clearly that all three uh, people he shot had it coming, and then some. Yeah. And, you know, it's, this whole thing, should, this should never have come to trial. I don't know how much, you know, he's going to be in debt for the rest of his life paying off this lawyer, uh, unless he's getting tons of help. Because remember, they tried to set up GoFundMe pages, and GoFundMe kicked them off. Yep. So you couldn't, you couldn't help him out financially. Um, and so this kid is now going to be in debt to this law firm for the rest of his life yeah. to fend off this case that never, ever should have been brought in the first place. The pro- uh, an honest prosecutor should have looked at the evidence and said, we're not bringing this case. This is absurd. Um, Trey Gowdy, the former congressman who was a prosecutor, yeah. he said, we're not going to, he said, the purpose of a prosecutor, we always elect these guys based on their, you know, their, their conviction rate. Well, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There's, he said, "There's always cases that come up that should never be prosecuted, and they get prosecuted to ring up a cheap number, right?" right? He said that the purpose of a prosecutor's job is justice. It's not conviction rate; it's justice. Right. If the case comes up and you and and the kid, the, the defendant's innocent, and you know it, there's no reason to bring it to trial just because you're a prosecutor. And I think this is a quintessential example of that. Oh, it really is. I mean, the young man, he, he came to town in order to clean up graffiti and clean up the mess that had been made. <laughs> they have video of him cleaning graffiti off of school. Yeah, I mean, what a, nice, what a great young man. And apparently, it, uh, uh, it looks like the uh, prosecutors are trying to get a mistrial. They're trying to have the judge because of their various uh, nefarious comments that they're making about the silence after the uh, arrest and so, uh, and so forth. So the, the point is, I, I hope the, ju- the, uh, the judge throws it out. I hope he doesn't put it on the backs of the jurors. Yeah, and, and this is, once again, this is just, this is an example of what happens when law enforcement doesn't do its job at the outset. By August of 2020, when this happened, you'd had eight months of 
nonstop leftist violence and burning and looting right. and all that. And the average person, Kyle Rittenhouse included, watches the, 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 the people charged with stopping this not stop it, and then they try to weigh in and help. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, they say he crossed state lines. Yeah, he did. Uh, but, you know, by the way, the people who say there's no such thing as borders are an artificial construct <laughs> are not very upset he crossed state lines. Great point. Um, and, and, and he goes across state, you know, and it's one town over. It just happens to be in the, in the adjacent state. Uh. And, he, and he goes to the next town over to try to help because the law enforcement that's supposed to be helping isn't helping. Right. So this wouldn't have happened if, starting in January, when the riots, when the latest round of riots started, the cops had shut it down. And by the way, if they'd started shutting it down in January, we wouldn't. By by August, we'd have been finished with it all, and people like Kyle Rittenhouse wouldn't feel compelled to go and do the job the cops are supposed to be doing. So, so why did why did he have to run? in order to go find a policeman during those circumstances. I mean, to me, it's just unconscionable. Well, at that point, again, at that point, the chaos is so widespread, Yeah, there may not be a cop in his vicinity. Well, I mean... If there's chaos, why aren't there cops in the vicinity? If there's, cop, there's chaos for blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks, is oh, my point. I see. Okay. So, the, 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 you know, the cop could be dealing with the chaos five blocks over rather than the chaos on his block, ah. is, is what I'm saying. Well. Um, so, yeah, so, these, you know, it's, this, is, this is what you, you know, this is, again, this is, this is, this is like a... You know, a five-year-old and a six-year-old brother and sister sitting in the back of a car, and the five-year-old keeps putting his finger right in her face and say, "I," and then finally, you know, the the the, the girl punches back, and oh, let's arrest the guy who punched back. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw in the, I don't know if you watched the NBA, but uh, this this idiot Markeith Morris committed a flagrant foul against Nikola Jokic Mm -hmm. and the guy's in the air he's seven feet tall he's in the air and and this guy comes up and shoulders him well Jokic is a big dude so he doesn't go down well Markeith Morris starts walking away from him and Jokic just comes up and blindsides him and shoulder blocks him into the into the court down down to the court and they they punished the second guy worse than the first guy. Oh, you see it all the time in professional football, too. It's oh, it's unbelievable. And but they saw the whole thing. I mean, they called a flagrant foul in the first place. Yeah. So they know that he was, he was, you know, what is the guy not going to defend himself? He's a professional athlete. Yeah. So they, they, they suspended him, which, of course, with his salary is like half a million dollars a game. Yeah. Um, and this guy only got a flagrant foul on like a $50,000 fine. And I just, I, again... The second thing wouldn't have happened if the first hadn't happened. Right. Well, if the riots hadn't been allowed to go on for eight months, there would be no Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Well, there shouldn't be, and I just feel for that young man because I think this trial has demonstrated what a fine young person he is. It's yeah, un- once again, the, the, the better you are as a human being, the worse the left hates you. Uh. Just awful. Hey, see, before I let you go, though, one thing, uh, we're seeing this rampant inflation. We're seeing the things that are going on right now. And it looks like the left is just digging in deeper, wanting to double down on passing this Build Back Better bill. This would be... (laughs) They're actually claiming, they've been claiming for a while now that that spending more money will help inflation. (laughs) 
yeah. This they they have absolutely no concept of how economics work and the laws of well, economics. No, 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 no. They do. This is intentional. Ah. Uh. They have to lie and pretend that you know that, that that this gasoline will help put out the fire. Yeah. But because most people know, and and most people don't hate this country. And most people don't want to do damage to this country, and they know this bill does damage. So the so the the, the, the only thing they can do is they try to pass this thing, is to say it, you know, cures what the average person knows is poison. Yeah. <laughs> they're trying to they're trying to pass off poison as a cure, and most people know this. So it, you know, it's not a matter of. Uh, not understanding economics, it's understanding the people that they're opposed to, which is the American people. Well, I'd like to do a little shout-out for the uh, founder of Home Depot. Apparently, he's holding, he's a, he's a conservative, he's holding yes. a fundraiser for Joe Manchin. <laughs> yes, he, he, I saw him on announcement on CNBC yesterday. He said, I'm going to hold the biggest fundraiser for Joe Manchin he's ever had. Yeah. So we got to get. And apparently, he's already putting it together. He's a man of action. He's the CEO of a large comp- company. He said it yesterday on CNBC, and it's happening already. Today. It's just fantastic. So Joe Manchin, I think he's 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 basically saying, with inflation the way it's going, we can't pass this bill. We got to put it off into 2022. And of course, we know that 2022 is an election year. They're not going to do yeah, anything. Well, yeah, that's why you know, and that's another reason to be mad at the Democrats is. There's a lot of stuff that actually needs to get done that's actually got bipartisan support. And we wasted the entire year we actually passed legislation, the off year from a congressional election. We wasted the entire year watching Democrats, you know, flog one another to vote for this thing. And now the year's almost over, and now we're into an election year, and it's not going to happen. Yeah, Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. You can also uh, find out more by visiting Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your well-informed and animated commentary. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. Have a great week. You as well. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. It's the 17th annual Capital Wealth Advisors Turkey Drop. On November 15th, Capital Wealth Advisors joined St. Matthew's House 
corporate partners, and 100 volunteers to assemble more than 2,500 Hope for the Holidays meal boxes for those in need. Meal boxes will include a turkey, sides, pumpkin pie, and eggs. The Matthews House will distribute the meals to low-income families, those with disabilities, senior citizens, and veterans. The public is invited to help by donating frozen turkeys and canned goods starting on November 9th. Deliver donations to St. Matthew's House Donation Drop-Off at 2601 Airport Road South, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5. Cash donations are also welcome. For more than 30 years, St. Matthew's House has been providing food, shelter, and life-transforming programs to those struggling with poverty, food insecurity, homelessness, and addiction. Visit stmatthewshouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. And just one of the programs is creating policies to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Bill Bar- uh, mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for uh, having me, Bob, as, as always. Uh, we miss you, Bill. <laughs> well, Bob, <laughs> what can I say? I, I hear that a lot, and I'm not... It's not my ego talking. It's just uh, we had a, a little going away party for uh, Dana Souza. You know our city manager who yeah. uh, is uh, going to be the new city manager in Sanibel. And um, we had a downtown at Cosmos the other night, and a lot of the employees um, came in, and they still say to me, oh, we really miss you down there. And it's been almost two years. I mean, so, you know, it's nice to hear, but uh, it's, it's sad in some ways. So, um, it's anyway. sad in many ways. I'm sure many people, their dobbers are down. They're probably not feeling good about the environment. And no. So what do we, we, we now have a new city manager. Apparently got a 25% bump in pay, uh, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, well, 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 Bob, we, we, you know, Dana was the interim city manager, and then Dana left because they, you know, they basically ran him out, and and so now it's Pete Di Maria, you know, our fire chief, our wonderful fire chief, who has, he is going to be the interim city manager, and it was only fair. I mean, he, if he's going to be the interim city manager, he should be paid what the interim city manager was being paid. Yeah. Um, I, I can't can't dispute that. So whatever the bump was, it was it was you know certainly verified, and he is a. He's a wonderful guy. Now, hopefully, they. Um, the one thing I know that he has in his contract is that if this doesn't work out until I get a city manager, he can go back as fire chief. That's good. You know, I, I misunderstood. I thought they'd hired a new guy to replace. Uh, nope. Okay. So, nope. They, uh, they, they, and it's going to be a while, Bob. I'm going to tell you what, um, because you know the words get the word gets out. They have their own. The, the city managers and county managers have their own organizations. Uh, their own network uh, throughout the country, and you know, a place opens in Naples, Florida. There's a lot of interest, and then they want to know, well, what's going on down there? And then they hear about the controversy and uh, uh, difficult council to work with, and et cetera, et cetera. And they're not so keen on it. Yeah. No. So, and then, and then I we were talking before was back yesterday. Got the news that our uh, our director of streets and stormwater, Greg Strakalus, who's a wonderful guy. I mean, I've known Greg since he started. He's been there 10 years, is leaving. 
um, and he'll be out of there early December. Um, and uh, it just it just um, it gets worse and worse. And and Bob, I don't care what anybody says, and it's not me being sour grapes, but it's it's there's no leadership down there, and they know it. Mm-hmm. Believe me, the employees just don't pack up and 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 leave without a re- you know without a reason. They're like. Uh, uh, they they see writing on the wall. They see the uh, the discrepancies and the diversity down there, uh, our lack of, and uh, um, it, it's a sad situation. The uh, our first responders and the fire first responders they're underpaid. They keep negotiating contracts with them, and they can't come to terms because we're so far under. And nothing wrong with Marco Island, by the way, but Marco police make more than our guys. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. So and gals. So, you know, um, it, it's just a sad situation. And I'll finish this with the fact that I, we don't I just don't think that the people in the city, the, the residents have any clue what's going on. Very sad indeed uh, to, to uh, especially pe- people who are on the front lines who are protecting us should be uh, compensated. Well, especially in this day and age when we see uh, uh, cancel the police and all that nonsense going on, people should get the reassurance that we do value their work. So. Well, no, no doubt about it. Absolutely no doubt about it. So what, what's on your mind today? We don't have any time. Well, I'll but. tell you what's on my mind is uh, we have some elections coming up from Naples City Council uh, in yes, February. Do. And uh, I, uh, do you know, I, I haven't seen a lot of names pop up with regard to candidates. Well, we, we have, or I have, and, and a group of us have one candidate who we, who we especially uh, are, are going to promote. His name is Ian Rudnick, R-U-D-N-I-C-K. Um, he, um, he was a former police officer with the city of Naples for 17 years. Hmm. Um, he's, he's a young guy. He has, he's married with a five-year-old daughter. Um, he was born and uh, raised in this city of Naples, went to school here. Very, very bright guy when he retired from the police department. He, uh, he uh, uh, became a realtor. Um, and he knows the city and knows the government, and uh, so you're going to hear his name around. We we really like him. Well, I'd like to get him on the show. Perhaps you could send me some contact. We can, for- we can definitely work that out uh, in the next couple of months for sure. Thank you so much, Bill. So, but you know, there's a are there other candidates, and we have how many? I think there's three positions that are going to be voted. Right. On. Right. There, there, there's three positions open. You have uh, uh, Ray Christman, who's an incumbent, Terry Hutchison, who's an incumbent, and um, Gary Price. And Gary's not running, so that gives you the three. And uh, there's five candidates. Uh, I know a, um, a lady put her hat in the ring the other day, but um, I think I, the word is she's a good friend of, uh, of the mayor's and... Um, uh, so who knows how, what, what convinced her was the fact that she was against the, uh, the golf course, the beach club. Um, she lives on, uh, I believe South golf drive and was one of the ones that were squawking that the pickleball court was going to be too near her. So I guess she got her, her ire up and decided, well, I'll just throw my hat in the ring. Mm. So, you know, who knows? All politics are local, right? <laughs> hey, yeah, you got that right. We don't go outside of that. I leave that to you. <laughs> well, speaking of which, the Beach Club deal closed, didn't it? I mean, it looks like we're moving forward. Yes, it did. Um, they they, they uh, closed a few weeks ago, and I'm really, really happy about that, as are a lot of people, yeah. because they really want to get that project going. And um, so we, we should. that's something to really be excited about. 
I think I, there was one person uh, who was holding the whole thing up, I guess, and I guess they got that resolved. They, they called for a uh, summary judgment on it as opposed to trying to litigate this thing and apparently got the, the, the job, I think. Judge ruled in their favor, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I, I, don't, I really don't know and can't respond on that. I mean, that's not that I can't. I don't know what the answer. I heard a couple of different things, but they at least closed on the property and can get started. I think there's still a couple of... Uh, outstanding um, uh, issues that have to be resolved regarding uh, uh, the, the one person that's, that's put the, the wrench in or tried to put the whole wrench in the whole project. So I, um, I'll, I'll find out some more for you and give that to you next week. All right. Bill Barnett, again, Naples, former mayor of Naples. Isn't the weather just fabulous? Oh, it, it is beautiful. I'll tell you what. Let's hope it stays that way all the way through May. Are you seeing a lot of folks show up down here in the Paradise? I've certainly seen the roads get bigger and get busier. Yeah, definitely that. And, uh, Bob, I don't know where you're going to get your turkey this year because uh, they, they're talking they're priced out of the market. Could be at least a dollar a pound. Yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah, we're going out for Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> I knew I knew that. <laughs> Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary on the show. Thanks so much well, for joining us. I appreciate the fact that you uh, you put up with me each week. So have a great week, Bob, and I'll speak to you next week. Thank you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Bobharden at hotmail.com. Tomorrow, we have great guests. We have William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, will be joining us. Larry Bell, typically a guest on Wednesdays, will be joining us. He is an author. He's the uh, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Larry was a big, big deal back during the, pace, the, the height of the space program. And uh, I'm sure he's glad to see it coming back. But he's written several books. His latest that's been published is... Uh, what Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. He's also got a book that he co-wrote with Buzz Aldrin about the space program uh, and uh, the future of the space program as well. So we'll have Larry on the show, as well as Dave Vigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, and Michael Cannon. He is a uh, director of health studies policy at the uh, Cato Institute, so he'll be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>